This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. The Hunga Tonga Hunga Hapai undersea volcano erupted with enormous force less than a fortnight ago, accompanied by cracking sonic booms, stratospheric volcanic ash, and tsunami waves that travelled more than 10,000 kilometres. The volcano sits in an area prone to eruptions and earthquakes. So, in this quiz shortcut, we take a look at the zone known as the Ring of Fire, the big eruptions and earthquakes that have come from this region, and how Tonga is managing in the wake of disaster. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Eliza Harvey. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, let's start with the Ring of Fire. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the one that burns, burns, burns from wild desire. Okay, are you going to break into some Johnny Cash now? It's the first dad joke that I've cracked on Squish Shortcuts and I'm just going to warn you, it's not going to be the last. Uh, No, I'm not going to sing. No one wants that. And, of course, what we're actually talking about here is the path along the Pacific Ocean that's characterised by active volcanoes and frequent earthquakes. Yeah, in fact, three quarters of all active volcanoes are dotted in this zone. The Ring of Fire is about 40,000 kilometres long. There's a horseshoe-shaped arc that follows the islands of Tonga and Vanuatu. It then heads west to Indonesia, north to the Philippines and Japan, then east to the coast of America, and then south down to South America. So that arc traces the boundaries of several tectonic plates. Let's brush up on that, Claire. Tectonic plates are massive, oddly shaped slabs of rocks that are underground roots of continents. Yeah, so the image to think of here is a smashed Easter egg. The bits of chocolate that kind of fit together are like the Earth's tectonic plates. They're different types of rocks, though. Some are thicker than others, and depending on the weight of those continents that they're trying to support. Yeah, so the Easter egg analogy is a good one because all the tectonic plates used to match up like a jigsaw, but the heat from the Earth's interior caused those big rocks to crack and break up and then slowly drift apart. And those plates continue to move sometimes towards and sometimes away from each other. Yeah, and that movement underground causes above ground action and at the seams where the tectonic plates come together, uh, they can grind up against each other and that causes friction. And so that's the point where the earthquakes and the volcano eruptions come in. Yeah, so sometimes plates dip underneath others, causing one of the plates to melt and become magma, which then rises up and spews out through the volcanoes. And in the areas where the plates move sideways past each other, that's where earthquakes tend to occur. And we should say at this stage, the Pacific Ring of Fire obviously isn't the only place where eruptions occur around the world. No, there's volcanoes across Africa and Europe too. There's some in Iceland, in Italy. Uh, There's Mount Vesuvius, of course, there, that massive eruption that buried people in Pompeii thousands of years ago. So there's too many to list in the shortcut. We do tend to refer to volcanoes by the volume and the frequency of the explosions. So let's gallop through a couple of the big eruptions and earthquakes in the region next. Volcanic eruptions have the power to destroy whole cities and alter the world's climate. Let's start with the big one in the Ring of Fire region. That was the world's deadliest eruption. That was Mount Tambora in Indonesia in 1815 on a set of islands that sit to the east of Bali, Claire. 
120,000 people died in that eruption. It sent volcanic ash 40 kilometres into the sky. Uh, It's thought to have been the most powerful eruption in 500 years and it created a series of very powerful tsunamis. And decades later, in 1883, another volcano in Indonesia called Krakatoa erupted. It was a biggie. That volcano was was located in the middle of the Sunda Strait. That's in between the islands of Java, which is home to the capital of Indonesia, Jakarta, uh, and the northern island of Sumatra. The eruption was so loud that it could be heard thousands of kilometres away, and it generated a tsunami that they say was about 37 metres high. That's about the size of an average 11-storey building. And Claire, it was such a momentous event that it actually changed the climate too. So the Northern Hemisphere summer temperatures fell by as much as two degrees as a result of the sulphur dioxide that was released. What's that about? So put that really simply, there's aerosol particles which come from sulphur dioxide that is created in an eruption and it causes a global dimming event where less of the sun's radiation is able to reach the Earth's surface and that creates a cooling effect. Okay, so 45 years later, we have Anak Krakatoa or the child of Krakatoa. Yeah, and in December 2018, during a small eruption, one of the flanks collapsed of that volcano into the ocean and the shorelines of the Sunda Strait were once again hit by a tsunami. Uh, More than 400 people were killed and 32,000 people were injured. And local residents received no warning at this stage that the huge wave was going to hit. No, and that's because Indonesia's early warning system for tsunamis is based on ocean buoys uh, that detect them from underground earthquakes. Uh, That is like the one that struck on Boxing Day in 2004 off the northwestern coast of Banda Aceh in Indonesia, and that's where the Indian and the Australian tectonic plates meet. And I'm sure many will remember that, Claire. It was one of the deadliest natural disasters of all time. So that earthquake registered 9.1 on the Richter scale. The quake caused the ocean floor to rise by as much as 40 metres and that triggered that massive tsunami. The first of several 300 metre waves hit the shoreline of Banda Aceh. It wiped out most of that city. Uh, Then in succession, tsunami waves rolled over the coastlines of Thailand, Sri Lanka and eight hours later it was on the coast of South Africa. Uh, In that disaster, 230,000 people died across the world. Gosh, those numbers are still pretty bracing, aren't they? Mm. And the size of that earthquake was akin to the one in Japan in March 2011 in Sendai off the northeastern coast of Honshu. Yeah, and what many might remember from that incident was the resulting tsunami. And yes, that's also in the ring of fire zone. Uh, Technology was such that it was broadcast live. It was horrific. It was surreal. Mm. And it was the first real-time insight into the power that's generated from the movement of those tectonic plates under the sea. That was a disaster in two parts in many ways, the initial earthquake and tsunami, and then the crisis at the Fukushima nuclear power plant. Yeah, that's right. So on detecting that earthquake, things started to shut down at that power plant and then the tsunami came and breached the seawall and flooded the reactors. There were three nuclear meltdowns, radiation was released into the atmosphere and thousands of people were evacuated from the area. Uh, In total, that disaster saw 20,000 people die or go missing and close to half a million people were forced to evacuate permanently. Uh, It also cost Japan $300 $60 billion. 
We jump forward in time there to 2011, but Claire, it's probably worth going back to 1991 to the huge eruption of Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines, only 90 kilometres northwest of the heaving city of Manila. Yeah, I didn't know too much about this one, but it it was the second largest volcanic eruption of the 20th century. Uh, That volcano had rumbled away for months and then it exploded and nearly every bridge within 30 kilometres of that volcano was destroyed and several towns were buried under mud and very wet and heavy ash. 300 people were killed immediately uh, and in the weeks after the eruption, hundreds more died as a result of disease in those evacuation camps. And Claire, let's crack on with the Hunga Tonga Hunga Hapai eruption in Tonga because it's right up there as a big eruption. When the Tongan undersea volcano erupted on the 15th of January, Claire, it was with a force that left even seasoned volcanologists stunned. It was so powerful that it caused a sonic boom that could be heard across multiple countries. It was felt as far away as Alaska. Uh, Seismologists believe that it could be in the top 10 eruptions ever recorded. And NASA says that it was hundreds of times more powerful than the atomic bomb that the US dropped on Hiroshima in World War II. So let's just get into the detail of what actually happened there. Before the eruption, the Hunga Tonga Hunga Hapai volcanic island was two separate islands joined by a new land that was actually formed in 2015. I have a really hard time getting my head around the fact that new land was formed in 2015. But what NASA says is that when you look at their satellite images, you can see that the eruption was so powerful that all that new land is gone, along with very large chunks of the other two older islands. It is worth having a look at those satellite images to to really grasp the magnitude of that eruption. And that explosion set off a shockwave that created a tsunami that was recorded more than 10,000 kilometres away. And as for Tonga Clare, reports say that it was hit by a 15 metre wave. Yeah, the experts say it's like when you throw a rock into a calm pond, there are circular ripples that are created and the closer you are to the point of impact, the bigger the wave. And with a force like that, researchers say that the wave generated in Tonga has travelled around the world six times. Incredible, isn't it? And it was difficult to get that information in the immediate aftermath because the explosion damaged the undersea communications cable that connects the archipelago with the outside world. Yeah, and that's an issue of critical concern. Of course, they need operational communications uh, to be able to get on with their recovery. Uh, Also worrying for Tonga is their food and water supply because salt water has inundated the main island and others in that nation. Uh, And then there's the ash that has covered everything too. So far, the death toll is low, thank God. Two Tongans and one British woman are confirmed to have died. But we also know that some of the low-lying islands were completely destroyed, with the Tongan government calling it an unprecedented disaster. So aid is on the way. Yeah, and one of the biggest challenges is how to hand over that aid. Tonga has closed its border in order to keep COVID out. That kingdom has only had one reported case during the whole pandemic, and they really want to keep it that way. And aid groups are calling on Australians to keep the Tongan community here in their thoughts, maybe their donations, as the recovery operations continue over the coming months. And that's your shortcut to Tonga and the Ring of Fire. Now on to recommendations. 
Chloe, we mentioned the Aceh earthquake and tsunami. I was lucky enough to visit the city of Banda Aceh when I lived in Indonesia. Now, Aceh obviously isn't high on the tourist trail, but it's a beautiful place with a big museum dedicated to the tsunami and the rebuild. Yeah, that'd be really interesting to see. Uh, From me, just on the call from those aid agencies, I've got a link to the Red Cross donations page. And we'll put those links into the show notes. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to Squiz Shortcuts. If you like our shortcut, you might consider leaving a review in your podcast app. And we love getting your recommendations on shortcuts. So if you have any ideas or something you'd like us to get into the details of, let us know at hello at thesquiz.com.au. Until next week. Mm-hmm.